Hey, welcome to episode 78 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and the season just keeps rolling along at a record clip. Hard to believe it's already December 1st today, and they're already a couple months into the regular season. Anyways, rather than starting off with injuries and just to start off with something different, let's start off with some contract news as Sam Montembeau has signed a new three-year contract with a value of $9.45 million, which was refreshing to see. He certainly has played in the most games of the last two seasons. He certainly has earned an opportunity to be a major part of, if not the number one goaltender in the Montreal system right now, as clearly there's nobody else ready at the moment. It seems to, at this point, be a competition of goaltending prospects that the Canadians just drafted earlier this year in 2023, so none of them are going to be ready for a couple years, most likely. So it was a good contract, but the most refreshing part about it was the value of the contract. There were people this offseason, it's like, oh yeah, I'd give them $4 million, I'd give them 5 6 There's even somebody that wanted to give him like $6.5 million. A, he's not worth that amount of money. And B, you can't wrap up that amount of money given all the other contracts that the Canadians are going to have. So with an annual value of $3.15 million, a very respectable, very manageable contract isn't going to take up a major amount of the salary by one person because like I said, there's a lot of other contracts that are coming. So that's a really good signing. And the term of it being three years, he will be right at 30 years of age. The Canadian's Jacob Fowler prospect may be ready at that time. The Russian prospect, any other prospects that they have in the juniors at the time may all be ready at that point. So that is an excellent length of contract as well that doesn't tie them down. And as outstanding as that contract is for Sam Montembeau and the impressive play that he's put together the last couple of years as he continues to get more and more established, if you will, in goal, is an opposite situation that we have to talk about in Josh Anderson. I think there's a lot of people that have high expectations for Josh Anderson. Like a lot of people saw him as the prototypical power forward, the complete player, the player that can get in the front of the net, cause ruckus, disruption. Josh Anderson is a great team player. Josh Anderson is a big forward that skates very, very well. And refreshingly this year about him is he seems to have a more complete game as far as being able to play in more of a variety of situations. And he seems to be more aware of where his teammates are. He seems to be more fluid in his passing. There doesn't seem to just be errant pucks going all over the place. And that's all been really great. Unfortunately, his offensive production has virtually dried up. Now, there are those people that will sit there and say, oh, but it'll happen. It'll eventually happen. And it may very well do that. Unfortunately, I have a feeling the Canadians will, like they have on other players recently, missed the greatest window of trade value for Josh Anderson. There was a time in the last couple of years where he would have been worth a couple of first-round picks, basically on projection, what people thought he was capable of. Unfortunately, he's now two years older. He's 29. And he really has become even less offensively effective. That's not good. That is not good for a trade value. So now, at most, they're going to get probably one and one only first-round draft pick for him. What's interesting about this particular player is he's kind of at the center of what is the major issue on the roster now. There's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of 
prospects progressing both at the NHL level and with their junior clubs, and there will be a continual need to make space for those prospects not yet on the NHL roster. Which brings it to the head of the issue, and that is there's a lot of players in the Montreal Canadiens roster that still needs to go away. There's still quite a period of transitioning that roster for that organization. Undoubtedly, a big, enormous setback this year was the injury to Kirby Dock, who... Even after last year, I wouldn't have made the comment was the best player on the team. Clearly is. He's got the highest skills, and he's got the greatest untapped potential, and probably is the best skater for that club. And his injury this year was just divesting not only to his own career, to the team making as large of an improvement that they could have made, and to the line chemistry, basically of all four lines. His injury shifted everything. And not only those issues, but also has directly affected the growth and the potential impacts that Alex Newhook could have. Although he's played well, he would have done even far better with Kirby Dock as his center, which he showed in the first couple of games of the season. And Yuri Slavkovsky, though he's played well with other players and is continuing to put his game together and is continuing to evolve in the right direction, which is fantastic to see, Kirby Dock, without a doubt, was Yuri Slavkovsky's center. But they're also finding out that players play well with certain players beyond any others, such as Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki that have been broken up. Cole Caulfield has not been nearly the offensive threat or had the offensive consistency or the expected growth that people expected him to have this year. There were a lot of people going, oh yeah, Cole Caulfield, definitely a point of game guy, definitely a 40, maybe even 50 goal scorer this year. Very unlikely and very unfortunate that it's unlikely to happen now this year. Why those two have been broken up, I get it. They're trying to balance the team. They're trying not to overload one line and put everything on that one line so teams can just clamp down on that one line and shut them down. But clearly, those players play together better than they do with anybody else. There's no question about it. And they need to be put back together. I understand what the coaching staff is doing. It's just not for the betterment of the team. But what the 2023-2024 season has shown is that there is still a list, and I mean a laundry list of players, that have to be moved out of Montreal. And that list includes Josh Anderson, Joel Armia, Christian Dvorak, Jake Evans, Brendan Gallagher, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, Sean Monahan, Tanner Pearson. I'm still not a big fan of Justin Barron. Again, he's had good games, and quite a few good games, but he's also had those games that he just looks like his mind is drifting. He just doesn't look connected. Jordan Harris has had an off year. I'm not saying he needs to be amongst the players traded, but his game has taken a few notches down this year. And on that list of traded players include defenseman David Savard and goaltender Jake Allen. So if you think about that, that's a lot of players that still need to be transitioned out of the Montreal lineup and room made for prospects. But you're also starting to see separation in their prospects. So for all those people who are like, oh my God, where are they going to find a roster spot for all these players? Not going to have to find a roster spot for them all. Some, yes, but not all of them. Jaden Struble, you're going to have to find a roster spot for. He's one of those prospects that maybe wasn't expected to be as prominent 
of a prospect as other ones were. He's established himself and is looking really good at the NHL level. And his game relates to the NHL level very, very well. He's a good fluid skater. He's a physical player. He can clear the front of the net. He can make good passes. It all translates very well to the NHL game. Some of the other defensemen and prospects are more perimeter. But not only do you have a lot of defensive prospects that we've talked about in previous episodes, you also have a lot of forward prospects as well. And that's why when everybody keeps saying, oh, well, we don't need any more draft picks, actually, they do. They still need a lot of draft picks to fill a lot of holes on that team. It's coming together. They've got some good pieces, but there are still a lot of holes on that team. Lines that are kind of two-thirds together, but not all the way together. Other lines that are combinations of extra players that they're filling a position, they're filling a line, but they really don't look like a cohesive unit. The defense also needs a lot of work. I have seen very few teams that trip with nothing around the player, and they have players that just kind of like fall to the ice suddenly. And you're like, was there a divot in the ice? Did a ghost knock him over? What What's knocking these guys over? That is a problem that Montreal has had consistently. Their players will just suddenly fall to the ice. And the defense needs to become more consistent. There's players here and there that play well. But that's why you have defensive pairings. You and the person you're paired with are supposed to play well. Not one guy covers the ice for both. And that's what they're still running into. So the defense needs a lot of work on consistency. There's been a lot of improvement. Again, last year, five rookie defensemen at one point had made the team unheard of. That's awesome. But now they need chemistry, cohesion, and consistency. Call it the three C's, if you will. Now, I'm going to bring up a player of the past that is just a beloved god in a lot of people's minds that just absolutely adore, think he's been the greatest player the Canadians have ever had. That's a really hard argument considering how many great players they've had. Patrick Waugh. And the reason I'm bringing him up is you have two players in the NHL right now that are suffering the same thing that he did as a player towards the end of his days in Montreal. The argument will never go away whether Patrick Waugh was right, Mario Tremblay was right, Patrick Waugh was wrong, Mario Tremblay was right, Patrick Waugh was right, Mario Tremblay was wrong. It was a battle of the egos. And the egos that were involved in that battle existed for two totally different reasons. Patrick Waugh, at some point, considered himself to be bigger than, greater than, and more important than the organization. That's just not the case. No athlete of any team in any sport ever is. Mario Trombley, on the other hand, his ego is all based on passion. They played the game at different times. Mario Trombley, when he played the game, you played because you loved the game. You grew up and that's all you did. You had a fire in your stomach that nothing else even closely rivaled. And I'm not saying athletes today don't have that, but it's different today. Today, it's driven by getting there, excelling, getting the best contract that you can. It's more business today than it is personal passion like it was in the teams of the 70s. You were just living your dream then. Whatever side you take, whoever you want to side with, it's argumentative. Not even going to get into that. Whether Mario Trombley should have left him in for nine goals that game will remain an argument probably forever. 
But Patrick Waugh's mistake was he thought he was bigger than the team. And Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine today see themselves in that same way. Pierre-Luc Dubois has not earned or been even remotely worth the new $68 million contract that he signed with the Los Angeles Kings. And I am so happy the Montreal Canadiens organization didn't go, oh yeah, we need Pierre-Luc Dubois, because you would have revisited that whole scenario where he thinks he's more important than the team is, bigger than the organization is. I kind of feel like playing tonight, but... I don't feel like playing this game. This opponent isn't worthy. You don't need that kind of attitude. You don't need that kind of ego complex, especially in the case of Pierre-Luc Dubois, who hasn't proven anything. Patrick Waugh at least put his money where his mouth was. He was a big-time money goaltender when the game was on the line, especially in playoff times. But even during the regular season, that guy stepped it up. That I will give him, and no one can take that away from him. Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't do that. He's got nothing to be arrogant about. He hasn't done anything in the league. And Patrick Laine seems to be having that same issue. Everybody's like, oh my God, how can Pascal Vassant bench Patrick Laine? How can he? He's inconsistent. He's not playing up to his potential. He's not doing his job. And his job is to be an offensive leader of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do your job. You're getting paid like a star player. Play like a star player. Somewhere along the lines, people think that your feelings matter. Your feelings don't matter. You're a professional athlete. You sign the contract, do the job. You know, you love signing the contract. Well, guess what? That comes with pressure. Sometimes you're going to like the response of people. Sometimes you're not going to. But that's the contract you sign. Deal with it and be productive and be consistent. These guys are supposed to be leaders. They're supposed to be point-producing players. They're not in need of the supporting cast, although in both cases, the rosters have supporting players and casts for them. But they're supposed to be the ones that can put up the numbers, be consistent, lead by example all the time. Live up to it. And the amazing part about it is people will have compassion or let their emotions take them over. It's like, well, you know, we need to be fair to those players. You know where that belongs? Corey Perry. Corey Perry just entered into the assistant program that's available for NHL players. He's been dealing with some issues. You want to have compassion? Have compassion for a player like that who has given the game everything, has played every game that he's been in like it's his last game. Look at all the teams that he exhibited leadership with that he's been on. And probably in recent years is the player that the Montreal Canadiens probably miss the greatest when everybody goes, oh, we got to have that veteran experience, that veteran leadership. He did. It was invaluable, his time with the Montreal Canadiens. If there was one player in recent time that was either older or maybe wasn't the star stature that they were before that I would have said hold on to, it would have been him. And I hope he not only comes out of this completely okay and completely recovered, I hope he gets another chance in the NHL because as a roster player for younger players to learn from, he's been through it all and his experience that he can pass on to those players is invaluable. But for this season to be any different than last year, because at this point the seasons look almost identical, the big change is going to have to come either before or by the NHL trade deadline for the 2023-2024 season for the Montreal Canadiens. They're going to have to move on from a ton of players, acquire more assets, whether that be in prospects that are closer to making the team, prospects that they're going to draft for the future of the team, whoever it is. But there's a lot of lines to fill. There's a lot of spots 
that are available, contrary to a lot of people's beliefs. It's like, all oh, the roster spots are already taken up with prospects. I don't know why they need to draft anymore. They're not. There's going to be a fair amount of draft picks that aren't going to make the club. There's going to be a fair amount of them that are. But the Montreal Canadiens, to really differentiate this season from last year, need to be an enormous seller at the trade deadline. And I'm not saying that for reasons for tanking. I'm not saying that for anything like that. I'm saying to move the organization forward continuously, there's a lot of players that need to be moved on from. Montreal is going to have to be extremely busy at the trade deadline unloading a lot of players. And at that point, there's not much left in the season, so the contracts won't be as much of an impact to the acquiring team. The cap is supposedly going up next year. We'll see by how much. Some people say 4 to $5 million. It'll be interesting to see how much that goes up. But there is a lot of need for continuing revolving door right now in Montreal. Some positions are set. Some players have come in and taken their roster spots. There's a lot of other spots that are still available for prospects to come in and take. With that, thanks for tuning in to episode 78 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and have an amazing week and even a better weekend.